Greetings and salutations, everyone, and welcome to episode 18 of the Cult Spark podcast. In case you don't know, this is a podcast where we talk about movies, TV, and video games of the cult and geek varieties. My name is Bob Taylor. I'm joined, as usual, by Stuart Smith. We both write at cultspark.com, although only one of us is followed by William Friedkin on Twitter right now. Stu, you bastard. What can I say? I'm more special than you are, Bob. I was trying to that the day that happened. For those who don't know, Stu wrote a piece for the website about The Exorcist because Stu had never seen The Exorcist before. You tell the story, Stu. Tell tell uh, him tell him the emotional highs <laughs> of, of this little tale. Well, it started like any other day when I posted <laughs> something on the internet and didn't expect anyone to actually respond to it. <laughs> no, you know, like you said, uh, did a piece for our ongoing Better Late Than Never series. Uh, you know, this is probably the uh, best unintended consequence of waiting 30-plus years to watch The Exorcist. Right. Um, so, and, so what happened was, you know, posted, uh, posted the story on Twitter, tagged, uh, you know, did an at mention for William Friedkin, the director of the film, um, said, hey, first time uh, – I watched at William Friedkin's The Exorcist for the first time. Uh, here's what I wrote or something to that effect. Uh, didn't really expect him to, uh, to respond at all. Uh, certainly not to respond positively, uh, if he responded at all. But about a half hour later, I got, I not only did I get a, uh, a very kind uh, response, uh, from him complimenting my piece, but I got a, a follow from him as well, and wow. suddenly I felt like the most important. Bravo, sir! Bravo! I, like I, I think my most famous Twitter followers. I think my only verified Twitter followers are Variety follows me, the Trade Magazine, <laughs> and the kid from Super Eight follows me. That's like my top two. But, yeah, the kid, the kid from Super Eight follows me as well bastard. for some reason. You get Friedkin, and then you take that away from me as well. <laughs> Fuck you, Stu. <laughs> That's what I do. I shatter dreams. <laughs> but uh, but Freed can definitely a, a, a few good levels. Above, yeah, that's above that's... variety in the kid from Super Eight. So good for you, it, sir. It, it's definitely a highlight of of my followers list, which you know is pretty fair. So <laughs> um, I think I, I think I have like Melissa Joan Hart. I think that's the for some don't, reason don't brag her about publicist. That. That's a negative. That's I, for some reason her publicist, I guess, decided to start her media person decided to start following me. I don't know why. I'm putting Variety above Melissa Joan Hart <laughs> as far as quality of Twitter. Look, only one of those accounts used to be Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Okay. <laughs> And I know it's been a while since the variety was there, but, you know. For those listening, you should follow us both on Twitter, at Robert B. Taylor and at Stu B. Do. Get you, you'll figure out, you keep, tra- you keep score of famous people <laughs> following Stu and I. All right, we're not going to talk Twitter all night. For the next 60 minutes, we're going to talk about the recent big Spider-Man movie news. We're going to talk about Jupiter Ascending for a while, and we might get into some TV at the end. But, uh, so let's dive into Spider-Man first, Stu. Huge that, news that, this week. That is the big. That is the big uh, news of the day. I, I don't think we really have to explain what happened to anyone, but just in case, I would hope not. <laughs> anyone listening to this, I don't know why you wouldn't know if you're listening. I, to this I woke up. That news broke late one night, and after I went to bed, and I woke up the next morning, and it was like the internet had melted down in my absence. Well, yeah, it's like I mean, that's this was like the one impossible pipe dream 
you know, more than more than Fox get, or more than Marvel getting back X Men, more than them getting back Fantastic Four. I mean, this was, you know, th- th- this is like Disney somehow having lost the rights to Mickey Mouse and suddenly they have him again. So what happened is Sony has pretty much canceled all plans for the Andrew Garfield Spideyverse, thank God, and has entered a deal with Marvel where Marvel Spidey will be returned to Marvel, not legally, not rights-wise. Uh, Sony will still control the film rights for Spider-Man, but he's basically been returned to Marvel from a creative standpoint, where Kevin Feige, who's like the chief creative guru at Marvel, who uh, heads the Marvel Cinematic Universe, he will be producing and in charge of the next Spider-Man film for Sony, which will be a reboot. And then in return, Spider- that's, that version of Spider-Man will join the Marvel Cinematic Universe and get to be in... I, it sounds like Civil War and uh, presumably Avengers sequels down the road, and he'll get to play with Iron Man and Thor and all the other Marvel characters. I, th- I think it's only for like, at least at present, I think it's only for like three films. Uh, well, the only ones that they've officially announced are the, the well, Civil War and then the the reboot. Right. But like, I mean, if he uh, if he doesn't show up in right. I mean, Infinity I, War, you know, part two. Listen, if. For anybody that follows me online, the, the the day after this broke, at first I couldn't wrap my head around it because I didn't think it was a very good deal for Marvel. Just because, you know, they're they're. It felt to me like they were saying, "Okay, Sony, we're going to get your Spider-Man franchise back on track," while getting very limited return. They were getting the chance for Marvel to play for Spider-Man to play in their universe, but they weren't getting the rights back. They weren't, you know, the, the, that was pretty much it. But the more I talked to people, and the more articles that were shared, and the more I read. You know, I understand the merchandising power of Spider-Man, and I can see how it benefits Disney and Marvel at large if, you know, Marvel can come play in that universe just from ancillary stuff and toys and everything. So it, it seems to make sense to me now. Well, it's 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 actually kind of a brilliant sort of deal, and I'm really I'm fascinated by it, and I'm curious to see, like, what kind of repercussions it'll have like you know what other kind of deals like this are out there to be made like what other what other sort of of you know lost properties i guess for lack of a better way of putting it you know will will kind of be struck up um if this goes well and i imagine that it'll go well and, and especially but, when you look at it in terms of you know hollywood's all about copying what works right so, so now that the Mar- the crossover heavy marvel cinematic universe is a big deal you have you know talks of Men in Black and 21 Jump Street, you know, being mixed up into a film right. and crossed over. And Although that was that was being discussed like before well, this actually was finalized. Right. But it's after the it's after Hollywood got sure. wind of all the money was ma- Marvel right. was making from the crossover. So, well, and, and so when you see two studios enter in a sharing deal. Now, this one's kind of weird because we all know Spider-Man's a Marvel character. So it's not like. You know these these properties belong like, together, right? It's not this huge leap to but to see that happen. I mean, yeah, you're right. I mean, before. although I th- I think what's really brilliant about it is that like there was no no money changed hands. This wasn't like a a, a, a fiscal deal. This was uh, this was purely quid pro quo. I, I did read one article that Marvel will get. Someone reported that Marvel will get a percentage of the profits from that standalone Spidey movie. 
I don't right. know if that's true. Yeah, now that's not like well, that's not cash changing hands. No, it's like, well, hands. No, but there is but I mean, there is some right. financial incentive, I guess, for Marvel Oh sure. Well I mean they movie. get well I think they also get um either either the majority of or at least a very big cut of uh the merchandising. I, I think Disney has the full Spidey merchandise. They got, they got it back at some point. I think it was leased out at some point, but it's now fully back with Disney. So yeah, I guess just Marvel assumes that it's best for their Spider-Man merchandise of all kinds if they can get Spider-Man working as a motion picture franchise again. Right. Well, you know, I mean, honestly, at this point, I would be I would be a okay with just one really great. Spider-Man movie from, you know, from Marvel itself. Oh, well, I, right. I mean, I'm the guy. I don't, I, don't, I don't need, I don't need a new trilogy of Spider-Man movies. I don't need, you know, uh, I mean, it'd be fun to see him cross over into everything else, but I mean, just, just, just one that really nails the character, even though, you know, even though I still love Spider-Man 2 from Sam Raimi and I actually like elements of the, of the first Amazing Spider-Man. Um, you know, it's, we still just need just, just one, just, just, just one. Come on. Right. I'm the guy who still doesn't think they've ever gotten Spider-Man exactly right on screen. Um, they I, haven't got, they haven't gotten him exactly right. They've I, come close to getting him I, right. I, Spider-Man get, 2, Raimi's Spider-Man 2 is definitely the closest. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's, it's but a, even, it's a but pretty even, great movie. I don't think it's per, anywhere near perfect. And I don't hold it in this sort of elite superhero film status that a lot of people do, but I think it's a really, really, really good movie. But the the other ones, I don't, you know, I don't like Raimi's other two. I can't stand The Amazing Spider-Man. I've never watched The Amazing Spider-Man 2, and now I'm pretty sure I never will. Right. So, yeah, I'm with you. I mean, it would be great for them to nail, and especially the character. Because like I said, Spider-Man, Raimi's Spider-Man 2 is a very good, it's a great movie, but I still don't think they perfectly nailed that sort of young, awkward, very smart, clever, science geek type of character. They they They, they have parts of it, but it's either too cartoonish or they focus on the wrong aspects or... Well, they, they got, they got like the whole nebbish side of him right. They got the awkwardness right. They still didn't get the fact that this kid is a, a literal genius. Right. In, in Raimi's movies, they don't really focus on his brains that much. Right. He's, he's, I mean, he's smart, but he's, he's not like, they t- the movies tell you he's smart, but they don't really show you that he's smart. Right. They pay, they pay some lip service to it, right. but they don't, they don't really ever have him using that smarts. And then in, in any real meaningful way. And then and, in Webb's movies, at least the first one, which I've seen, you get a little more of him being smart, but then you lose all the awkward stuff because he's kind of this cool skateboarding dude. And, right. And so, yeah, I've never really seen the perfect amalgamation. I hope I pronounced that right. Of all the characters, different character traits. So maybe they'll get that right this time. Uh, so let me ask you this. Uh, regarding the deal, was this the best possible outcome we could have hoped for right now? I think given the way that everything was already kind of set up and the sort of jungle gym of rights, you know, that it, the way that everything is kind of spread out right now. Yeah, I, I think this is about as good as we could have hoped for. Because Sony was never going to give Spider-Man, just give him back to Marvel. Oh, no, or absolutely. sell it back to Marvel. There's absolutely. probably no amount well, yeah, of Yeah, because, I mean, like, I mean, look at Amazing Spider-Man 2. That movie was 
by most accounts, just an absolute disaster of a film. But it still made a lot of money. It was still like seven hundred and fifty million worldwide, exactly. Which is which is down from most of the big mega budget superhero movies, but that's still more than most movies make. Right. I mean that you know that is more than most movies combined. Right, make you know. I mean, that, that, that's still just a boatload of cash. So, yeah, like, they were like they were never, they were never going to give it away. Um, there but, may have been some huge gigantic number that Marvel could throw out that it would make sense for Sony to take from an economic standpoint. But then you still have to factor in. At that point, you have executives and people in the boardroom and whatnot who are giving up on a on a character and on a property that they know another studio is right. going to get hit a home run with. Right. And their egos just can't do that. I mean, well, it's, it's, it's kind of like, I mean, they would have to put up star Wars money. Right. To be able to walk away, uh, with that character. And so given that we live in, well, in a world where studios are out to make money and good art is a far, 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 you know, maybe third place priority, uh, yeah, this, this is absolutely the best thing that could have happened. I think so, too. I, it's a great deal for fans. As for Marvel, we'll see. I mean, I've read rumors that this is a first step towards, you know, because Sony's in a lot of trouble <laughs> in a lot of ways. <laughs> and I've read that this is the first step in possibly Marvel attempting to acquire Sony down the road. This is a first step and maybe a larger deal happening later. Like we said, there's only two movies guaranteed, but you have to assume Marvel wouldn't have done this unless they feel like they're going to be using Spider-Man for a while. Well, I mean, you know, if nothing else, Kevin Feige is an incredibly shrewd producer. I mean, the guy just gets it. He, he knows what moves to make. He knows who to make them with. Right. Uh, he knows when to make them. You know, so, I mean, he, he would not have done this. I don't think if he wasn't, you know, having if if his studio wasn't having maximum benefit on paper with what's been revealed, I'm not entirely sold. It's the perfect deal for Marvel, but I am sold. You have to trust Feige right now. You have to. Well, you'd be stupid not to. I mean, I mean, there's just there's too much precedent of, of the decisions that he's made, especially when everybody else has second guessed him. At almost every other turn, you know, like, oh, oh no, this is going to be the time that he screws up. This is going to be, you know, this, is, this next one's going to flop, man. You know, stuff like that. And it just, it doesn't happen. I mean, it'll happen eventually, and maybe this will be it. I don't know. But, I mean, you know, the the precedent that has been set uh, certainly has me being very optimis- optimistic about this. So, Stu, for, pretend you're Feige, pretend you're in charge now of of commandeering Spider-Man into the MCU and creating this standalone Spider-Man film. Um, how do you do it? How do you cast it? How do you write it? What angle are you shooting? What, what's your plan for Spidey well, if you were in charge? Thankfully, the uh, it's already been established that you know we're not getting any more traditional origin stories. Yes. Uh, which is great, and especially in the Fantastic. case... Fantastic. Right, I, especially in the case of this character because... Everybody knows. I mean, there's no, there's no reason that you would have to to retread the origin again. The most that you would have to do is like, you know, an Incredible Hulk style uh, opening credits prelude where you, kind of, where, you like... where you can kind of recap everything. Uh, but I mean, you know, this this you can just kind of drop people into this one. 
And people, I people never, know the character. I never, ever want to see a Spider-Man origin story on film again. I feel like that's an origin story everybody knew even before Raimi made his movie. Just because it's the most known superhero origins maybe outside of batman but everybody knows the spider-man origin story and then we've gotten two on film since then enough so yes yeah easy easy decision there no origin story yeah moving on from there um but you know what uh a lot of the stuff that i've been reading is uh online is people recommending that it be cast very young which i i think that that's smart uh i agree even though technically i mean technically all of the versions of spider-man that we've seen uh, so far have been young. I mean, I, I want him to, to make him teenage Sp- Spider-Man. Like, agree. You know, don't make him like a high school senior. I, you know, put a, put a 14, 15 year old kid in there. Cause I mean, that, I, that, I mean, that, that's where he started. I mean, that's what it was. And have that, I mean, th- that would make such an amazing contrast to have this, you know, brainy, brainy kid. Uh, go toe to toe with Banner and Stark and, you know, watch them kind of flail around having to deal with this super smart kid who can also, you know, fight them to a standstill. I agree a thousand percent. I think that we have to have a Spider-Man that's in high school. I think 15 is the target age. I don't know if they have to cast a 15 year old, but I think we got to get somebody that can believably pull off 15 or 16. Um, and it, for every reason you said, I, you, you want the, you want the young kid who's had these, even, even though it's not, it's, we don't want it to be an origin story. Right. I think it should still be someone coming to terms with how their life, life's changed and these powers that they have. Well, and I, I think, and to, and to put that, to put that character up against, you know, Iron Man and Hulk and Thor and just have them seem totally out of their league and out of their depth. I, I I think that makes for an exciting movie or, you know, fun movie. Well, I think one thing that really needs, uh, that really needs to come out in this story is something that's never really been, been touched on or, or focused on in the other movies and that's you know peter makes really bad decisions he right. he tries the best that he can but he's always overwhelmed he's well, he's a kid right uh, exactly uh, he's always overwhelmed because he's trying to balance school and crime fighting and super villains and you know crushes on girls and his busy you know his aunt who's always trying to take care of him you know and all of these things I, I mean, that's something that we haven't really seen any superhero in, you know, in, in any of these, this, you know, tidal wave of superhero movies that we soon come out. We've never really seen a character, you know, struggle to, to juggle all of those things. And that was always one of the most interesting parts of, you know, Spider-Man as a character is him trying to find a way to balance all of those things and keep all those plates spinning. Uh, you know, so put an emphasis on that. Put an emphasis on the, you know, on the the secondary characters. I mean, you know, Flash Thompson and, uh, you know, Betty Brant and all, you know, all of those characters that really inform who Peter is and the kinds of decisions that he makes and the ways that he behaves. I mean, you know, all of those people are are every bit as important as you know Jameson and Aunt May. Right. I'll tell you one thing I'd like to leave out this time is the the grand romance that seems to be a major through line in every other Spider-Man movie. And if I was doing it, I'd have him, you know, have a girlfriend already, Gwen Stacy, whoever at the beginning, or at least have the love interest at the beginning, 
and have that not really change that much over the course of the film. Just have it be one more thing he has to juggle. She's there at the beginning. She's there at the end. Let's make her a great, fun character. But like this sweeping sort of falling in love romantic angle that they was just so played through the previous films, I'd kind of like to do away with that once. Just – I mean, OK. Yeah, you can have – It can be part – Right. Like, I mean well, – I mean, like I, hey, Just about every finale – had something to do with with Mary Jane or Gwen right suddenly being in trouble and he has to you know I mean that that becomes the that becomes the focal point of the finale that's dumb we've seen that in literally let's get every rid movie. of the let's get rid of the damsel in distress and have her just be one of the interesting and present parts of his life right I mean you can certainly have him rescue her at some point I mean that's fine uh you know but don't have that be the focal point of of either the storyline or the finale or anything, you know, have it have it be incidental at best. Right. Now, what do you think of the Internet push to I mean, let's say this up front. There's no way this character is going to be anybody other than Peter Parker. Right. Right. Because there's the Internet. There's some Internet push to have it be Miles, Miles, Miles Morales, Morales, who's an Hispanic character. Uh, half half black. Half, half, Hispa- half, half OK. Half black, half Hispanic, who was, he became ultimate, he became Spider-Man in the ultimate storyline after, after Peter's death. Right. Well, and see, and that's, I mean, unless Marvel goes really bold and just completely ignores Peter as a character and just says, Miles is it, you know, we're ignoring the whole Peter dies, so Miles takes over for him. Uh, and then basically kind of assimilates Peter Parker into Miles Morales. You know, just the qualities of who who Parker, you know, is or was or whatever. I mean, Um, look, Miles has a huge fan base. Um, I read a lot of Ultimate in the early goings, but not much in the later goings. I've only only read a little bit of the Miles Morales stuff. What I've seen is good, and by all means, we would love to have more minority superheroes present in the Marvel Cinematic Universe and elsewhere. But there's just, I mean, Marvel gets Spider-Man back for the first time. It's got to be Peter Parker. I mean, I'd rather see, I think I'd rather see Peter Parker cast with a minority actor well, that, than it actually have it be Miles Morales. Right, and that's, that's the thing. I mean, you know, there is nothing necessarily that demands uh, that Peter be white. You know, I yeah. mean, I, I would actually like, because I, I was trying to think of like, you know, who are some young, uh, some young actors that could pull this off? Uh Ryan Potter, the guy who voiced Hero in Big Hero Six, he's he's Japanese, but he's also very young. Do that, you know, if you wanna if you wanna go the route of you know of casting a minority actor in uh in there, that's fine. I mean, there's I there's probably totally, all. Totally, hmm? I'm to, I, yeah, I'm totally fine with that. Right. I'm, l- I'm just less fine with finally getting Spider-Man in the MCU and he's not Parker. Yeah, that's where. I yeah, I I I don't honestly think that. Uh, there's no chance. None. No, I, uh, I really don't think it'll uh, happen. Um, down the road, who you know, who yeah, knows? Sure. We don't. We don't know how crazy this Marvel universe, cinematic well, I, universe, well, is going to get. I mean, it'll be so, it'll be like anything else. I mean, there, you know, Chris Evans is eventually going to no longer play right. uh, Captain America, and you'll have either Anthony Mackie or Sebastian Stan, or you know, somebody. I mean, they'll they'll, they'll they will transfer that title to another uh, character slash actor, you know? And so when, when that happens, I mean, when whoever, whoever they get is done playing Peter, yeah, kill him off, bring in miles, do that. That would be right. That would be fantastic. Yep. Agreed. Um, 
I was going to say, because they in the original press release, they said that Spider-Man would appear in one film prior to the Spider-Man film, which, looking at the scheduling and stuff, was going to be either Civil War or Doctor Strange. I don't know if they've confirmed it yet, but I think everybody's now assuming that it's Civil War, which I hope that's the case, because Spider-Man seems to make much more sense in that film than popping up in Doctor Strange, which would to me, seemed like a really odd place to meet him for the first time. They're, but they're friends in the comics. I mean, that's not... Well, you know, they're I mean, all friends in the comics. I no, mean, like, they're... Like you you can find actual, a comic reason. They're actual buddies, though. Like, there's precedent for it. It's not just, oh, they share a universe, and therefore they're friends or whatever. Like, I'm, I'm fairly sure that there's... I mean, Tony Stark's built spider armor for Parker before, and they all pal around. I mean, right, you could find any reason to... I mean, but, uh... You know, yeah. fine. You know, okay, Doctor Strange... Bit of a gamble, uh, you know, kind of along the line, especially if they go weird with it the way that I've heard that they will. I, yeah, throw Spider-Man in there for like a rooftop cameo or something, you know. Um, I, I'm actually thinking that we'll get kind of a last minute second post credit stinger, uh, on Age of Ultron. Yeah, in, in Age of Ultron. I, I, with Spidey? I would actually be willing to put money on that uh, ooh, i hadn't thought of it i guess they could do it because you don't really have to have the actor cast by then if you keep him in the mask right well in, or i mean uh, you know i honestly i mean they could probably cast someone tomorrow but yeah but you gotta take the time oh, you gotta, sure, they, don't yeah. even have, they don't even have a director yet well, they're not gonna cast the character well, no, without having a director I, for okay that here's the i mean they yeah. shot they shot that uh shawarma uh right stinger after yes. the movie premiered. Correct. You know, so, I mean, they, they could literally do this the night before this goes into I, theaters and, you know, and it would, and, and then I, they could I'm shoot it in there. So, I, I, mean, I honestly hadn't thought of that, but I think you're right. That could happen. I'd, I'd be willing to put money on it. Well, we'll see in a couple months. But, you know, I hope it works out. I hope this, I hope this Spider-Man movie turns out good. I hope it, we get the version of Spider-Man that we want and we've waited forever for. And... We'll trust that Kevin Feige and Marvel knows what they're doing, and we'll trust that Sony doesn't fuck it up. Right. So who, <laughs> in, who do you, who would you like? like last last question, last bit on this. Who would you cast? I I'm bad with young actor names, so I I can only I can only agree with what you said. I think it needs to be a kid. I think they need to appear to be on screen around 15, at least that they can play 15. I haven't had any great ideas yet. I, you know, okay. You? What I I want them to do is to cast like, you know, 15, 14, 15 years old. Yeah, I agree. And and then, you know, you probably have that actor for a while. Right, but as as for who I think they will cast, honestly, I think they're going to cast someone like Logan Lerman. Who's that? Uh, he, did you watch Aronofsky's Noah? Not yet. Um, or, uh, oh, uh, Percy, Percy Jackson. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Him. He's like he to me. He's kind of like the he's like where Chris Evans was when they cast him as as Captain America. How old's he now though? Logan Lerman. I think he's yeah. probably like in his very early twenties. Right. You know, but I mean, he looks young. He still looks really young. Um. All right. And my wife is is writing on a piece of paper the Whiplash Kid, uh, which Miles Teller. <laughs> My, Miles Teller. Uh, no, I, Miles Teller can't work, babe. I'm sorry. He's already playing Mr. Fantastic in in the. Fox. He's too old too. Way too old. He, yeah, he is too old too. He would actually it's be old. pretty. I like I like Miles Teller as an actor. I think he's good. I don't think he's cast well for Reed Richards, but that's neither here nor there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Instead of getting into that, let's get into Jupiter Ascending <laughs> stuff. <laughs> so, the Wachowski siblings' newest film came out, and I went to a screening, and it was pretty much the worst film I've seen at a theater in years. I was trying to think back when, when, what the last movie I saw at the theater that was, that I hated as much as I hated Jupiter Ascending. And the best I could come up with was A Good Day to Die Hard. But I actually kind of almost moderately enjoy the last 20 minutes of A Good Day to Die Hard. So that's going to push it past <laughs> Jupiter Ascending. So I honestly, I, I can't, I can't come up with something. That's how bad. I dislike this movie. See, I, so, I, I, watched, I, don't, I watched so many horrible movies when I was reviewing films for right, the paper. Right, because there were some years there where oh you saw God, a lot like, more yeah, where I just, I, did, I mean, so. I went to watch everything, so it's like I can't I can't really put it on that whole, this is the word. Like, I walked out of Grown Ups. I, at the very I, least, did not walk see, out of this. Yeah, I mean, I, I – but know. see, that's the thing. I mean, I haven't seen an Adam Sandler movie in probably 10 years where, you know, big sci-fi epic starred Channing Tatum and, and, the, and you know, that was made by the Wachowskis. I'm at least moderately interested, even if I don't think the trailer looks that good or right. sounds that interesting. I can be surprised. I don't want to get too much into the movie. Um, I, you know, we've talked about it online. I have a review up. We can say, Stu, that you like you don't think it's good, but you you don't think it's as bad as I, I think. It I is. don't think it's a horrible movie. I think it's a really, you know, pardon the pun. They shot for the stars with this one. They, you don't think it's good though. Let's I, make okay. that. <laughs> I I don't think it's good, but I don't think it's awful either. You know, it's it's like in this weird sort of middle place where it's like there's so much, there's so many individual elements here that I really loved and that I admired that they you know, that they tried to do, um, that I can't hate it. You know, if, if this were, you know, if this were lesser artists putting this movie together, yeah, it would have just been an absolute drag. Um, but yeah, I, I'm kind of like, you know, I, I waffle back and forth. I mean, it's, it's not horrible. I might even kind of want to revisit it somewhere down the line just to kind of, you know, see how it's aged or see how I react differently to it. But yeah, it's, it, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a, it's a mess. It's a gorgeous mess. Here's what I really want to talk about. And when I bring this up, I'm not talking about you because you haven't really fallen into this. The things I've talked to you about this film online, you you seem to say, you know, yeah, it's not a good film, but I appreciate this, this, and this about it. Right. However, I, there's a whole bunch of people online who sort of fall into this thing of, well, it's so bad, it's good. It's such a mess that it's fun to watch. It's a guilty pleasure. And I just feel like today, too many movies people want to give cult status to because of that mindset. Right. And I, and I hate it. I think it's, it occasionally happens. Sure, once in a while there's a movie that's so weird and so bad that it, that it becomes fun to watch. But I feel like in, in the sort of like film geek climate today, any genre film, any horror movie or science fiction film or genre film that's bad is instantly stamped as fun to watch cult classic. And it drives me nuts because Jupiter Ascending is not fun to watch. I, you know, I will say that, that there is, there was certainly the potential for this to become like, you know, the new Flash Gordon or, you know, or, right. or what have you. But it's just, it's not there. It's not. <clears throat> Flash Gordon is campy. Flash Gordon is just very, very silly. 
this thing takes it and it and it kind of knows that it is this is this this plays itself pretty straight most of the time i mean there's there's a few moments where you know the you know the Wachowskis are kind of grinning to themselves at, at what they're doing like when when Sean Bean's character is you know about to get like shot or something or like run over by a hover bike and he you know mutters to himself beeswax you know this character who's been spliced from B D B D N A uh you know utters something like that okay yeah that that's a fun little self-aware wink uh but for the most part I mean just like you know, it just it plays everything really, really straight, and some of the time that works, and then the other rest of the time you have Eddie Redmayne. Eddie Redmayne is so bad in this movie, and I I, I haven't seen the Theory of Everything yet. Did you have you seen that? No, I haven't. Yeah, it's one of my best picture nominees. I still need to watch before the Oscars roll around in a few weeks. I hear he's great in it. I'm I have no choice but to believe that because of a lot of. Uh, friends and film writers that I respect say it's a good movie and he's great in it. But I mean, my God! I mean, if this thing came out three months ago, I would I would have to imagine that it would derail his Oscar campaign. Oh, absolutely! Because he's so bad in it. It's and it's like the stand. And again, it's the same thing I was talking about. I, I see people online like, well, Redmayne's great in this because he devours he's, scenery. He's, he's so over the top and he's so. And it's like, no, not everybody who does that. It it, it doesn't always automatically right. become a camp classic acting performance. It's bad acting. I will say, like, in, in his defense, he commits to it. There is never a moment in that movie where when he is not just 100 percent in the zone of that role, performing it horribly. Uh, I mean, he's not Gene Hackman in Superman. You know what I mean? I, there are these sort of legendary scenery chomping performances, but it, this is not that. This he, is just bad. He's not. He's not Dominic West in Punisher Warzone as Jigsaw. Right. It's first of all, any actor can do what he does in this movie. This right. kind of because you know I say in my review that he's always whispering. You know, talking under his breath and and the rage is swelling up, and then he starts screaming at the top of his lungs for for no reason. And it's like anybody in LA who's taken two acting classes can do that, they can, right? They can talk like this the entire <laughs> but, movie. But it's I like, think I will do the rest of the podcast right? talking like this. Don't you think so? I mean, that, that's I mean, that's it. There, right? There, cast I, me. Right. Cast me in I mean, Jupiter Ascending 2. It's I like, do this. just because he got the chance to do that in this spectacularly bad big budget Wachowski movie doesn't make it good. It really doesn't. Uh, it just drives me nuts. We, people, we don't have to declare every awful movie so bad that it's fun. And it's, uh, I just feel like we can be better movie fans than that. Oh, yeah. And again, I'm not specifically talking about you, Stu, because you have taken the even more asinine viewpoint of trying to defend parts of this movie. It's gorgeous. It's a gorgeous movie. It's The, the universe makes no sense. I, I mean, it doesn't. Nothing seems like it fits together. Uh, like, this, like, there's the scene where uh, they're in their spaceships and they have to blast through the little drone robots that, like, make a wall. How boring is that scene? What's the point? I mean, where's okay, the, that, where's the Wachowski's patented visual, you know, genius? I, I will say in that, that scene? the action, you know, the action is is decent. I kind but, of like the I mean, scene over not, Chicago at the beginning. The rescue right, yeah, over I mean, Chicago that, at the beginning is okay. That's visually interesting. I mean, the, everything else, right? Well, and that you know, that's the thing. It's like if this were the action in almost any other movie, 
it'd be like, wow, okay, yeah, that was that was really solid action. But I mean, this is action from people who like who changed, who shifted the entire action paradigm in movies. Kind of you hold them to a different standard uh, to this whole thing. And so I mean, on that front, I mean, the action really was surprisingly underwhelming, especially because it's like you can only watch so many scenes of Channing Tatum floating around on his hover rollerblades. Uh, yeah. And, and doing that. Um, um, no, okay. No, for me, like the art design in this movie is so strange at times. It's wonderful. Like the, the space cruisers that have like the sort of Baroque designs, you know, in like, okay, the one, all right. In the, in the, in the scene where, uh, Jupiter is about to get forcibly married, uh, to one of the Abrasics, uh, siblings or whatever. And it's, yeah. it's like this, this chapel with columns and, you know, flying buttresses and it's the, but it's the observation feel desk, like, of the desk, deck of this starship. That's, don't you feel like any film that they spend almost $200 million on, you can do that? I mean, no, no. Is it really from a creative okay. standpoint so, uh, that mind blowing? Okay, here's the thing. Technically, yes. When you have that kind of a budget, yes. Technically, yes, you can do it. Not everybody has the actual vision or idea to do it. You know, I don't know if anybody. Yeah, I'm going to spend two hundred million dollars. I mean, the end of it's just on like the on the side of a manufacturing plant, and uh, where she's falling in the ladder. <laughs> the the movie the, should be called Jupiter Descending because all she does right. is fall throughout the movie. Uh, it's it's a like I feel bad for Mila. I almost feel bad for Mila Kunis because the part is so terrible. Well, I feel, but, I feel, but she's not good in it either. Well, she's I mean, not she's good, but I mean, the, terrible. The this is not a role or a film that plays to her strengths. She is, you know, she needs something where she can use that, you know, her sharp wit and her comedic timing. Uh, she is just, she is so out of place in a sci-fi setting. It, it, It just does not work. I mean, this was not, this is not a role that feels like it was written for her. I think Channing Tatum is the only one that emerges unscathed. I think he's okay in a dumb part, uh, he, in a ridiculous he, he's part. He's fine. He, you know, he he he, he does. He both. attempts. Sean he tries. Bean. No one will even remember that Sean Bean was in this right. movie. Sean Bean is wasted completely. Uh, and uh, the Wachowskis themselves. I mean, they never get to make a a big movie like this again, right? I mean, they're going to be pretty much done. You know, I don't know. I mean, like after after Speed Racer, just completely bombed well i mean let's go through it matrix reloaded made a lot of money based on the first one not terribly well liked matrix revolutions tanks speed racer tanks cloud atlas tanks this tanks i don't know that anybody will give them you know 175 180 million dollars to do a big space epic again i think they'll continue to get a lot of creative freedom on, on the movies that they do make just because you know it's like i mean they're they're respected artists you know, I think the studios recognize that. Um, and to be fair, uh, Speed Racer and Cloud Atlas have their fans. Oh, uh, yeah, so absolutely. It's not like you still haven't seen Speed Racer. No, have you? I haven't. Oh, man. I'm going to watch it with my kids. But Do it. It's, it's not so like good. these are all creative disasters, although right. I think for sure the Matrix sequels and Jupiter Ascending should be labeled as such. But the, the third Matrix movie is just downright bad. Yeah. I still, I mean, I, I still want to see the sequel that I wanted to, <laughs> to reload it. Because, well, uh, my thing with the Matrix sequels was when I, when I came out of the theater from seeing Reloaded, it's like, well, 
I have some serious misgivings and problems about this movie, right. but they can, but they could be fixed with the third one. They could be fixed on how, with how good Revelations was and what direction they took some of the plot threads at the end of the second one. And there was no fixing that occurred. No. There was only making worse. Yeah. So, so retroactively, yeah, I don't think there's much there with the second one either. So but. yeah, no, I, I think, I mean, I'm really curious to see what they do with that, the, I mean, with the TV show that they're doing. Right. With the, Netflix. Is it Netflix? Is it a Netflix show? They have a Netflix show coming. It has a really weird name with like a numeral in it, which I probably could look up, but I'm not going to. Sen- <laughs> Sense eight. Sense eight with it. Yeah, I think Sense it's Sense eight. eight you know, something like that. The number. Uh, I, they probably, you know, go back and make something small. Bound, which is a good movie, which was their first film. They, I never saw that. It's good. They, but yeah, I mean, they, you know, I was talking about this with a friend, and it's like, you know, this movie is proof that, you know, giving giving artists complete and unfettered freedom isn't always the best thing to do. No, definitely not in this case. All right. All right, you want to talk a little bit of TV, Stu? We got Let's time. talk some TV. Let's talk Justified. Let's talk Justified, indeed. Uh, Stu and I have talked Justified on this podcast before, in case you missed that episode or those episodes. And I think we're pretty much minds alike on Justified. It's For both of us, it's one of our favorite shows on TV, if this not one, if not one. our favorite show currently on TV. Oh, oh absolutely. Right. Uh, Even as awful as last season was, it still doesn't, right. it doesn't dampen my love. Uh, for this, this is one of the few things that you and I are are totally in sync. I, yeah, absolutely. This uh, is very rare. The first three seasons of Justified are amazing. If you don't watch, please go get on that. It's some of the best TV you're ever going to see. It's an FX show based on uh, the works of Elmer Leonard, starring Timothy Oliphant. Sort of badass modern day western crime thriller show. Uh, first three seasons are amazing. Fourth season still good but a huge downtick from the first three and then season five was actively bad uh graham yost the guy who runs justified and timothy oliphant obviously knew that this was the case because they announced that basically they were running out of story ideas and season six was going to be the last season and i think we all universally thought or at least i did well that's that's sad i'm going to miss justified but based on these last two seasons and the decline of the show you know, maybe it's time. And all we could hope for is that the show would catch some wind, would get, you know, that the show would rebound to its earlier state and go out with a bang. And holy shit, is it? Oh, man. Like, uh, I, I still, I still enjoy season four more than a lot of people seem it's to. It's okay. It has parts it, that work. It were It takes way, way, way too long to really gain its momentum. But like, that final sprint toward the finish in the last yeah. few episodes is just, like once you find out who Drew Thompson is and the gloves come off, then it gets great. I, I never. But, it, but so much leading up to that just doesn't work. Season well four, they uh, typically on Justified, there's a there's a season long plot line and there's a big bad and it's about Raylan Givens, who's the U.S. Marshal that uh, Ollie Font plays. You know, he works up to ha- having to square off against the big bad at the end of the season. Season four twisted that and it's a it's a mystery. There's a there's a sort of I guess it's, I guess we could call it a whodunit. It's sort of a, there's a mystery at play. And, uh, I don't think the central mystery of that season works all that well, but I like some of the fringe stuff it introduced, like Constable Bob. Right. And, uh. Nothing else we got. Tim's Nemesis. Who was the guy that played Tim's Nemesis that was Boyd's right-hand man military guy for a while? Colton. There we go. 
um, Colton Rhodes, who Colton, who was Boyd's right hand man, who was played by Ron Elder. Like I liked him, so there was some fringe stuff that worked for yeah, me. Yeah, I mean, in the, part you know, four. there was. It was certainly it was no season five, which is just five flat is out bad. worthless. But we are now four 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 episodes four episodes four. into the final season, and it's it so is amazing. Good. It's, so good. it's like an hour long orgasm every single Tuesday. <laughs> they, like they, I mean, this, this this absolutely reminds me of why I fell in love with the show to begin with. I mean, if they can, if they can keep this up, this will be season two. This will be worthy to, to stand yes. up right next to season two. As of right now, it's absolutely my second favorite season of the show. Four oh, yeah. episodes in. And they, and I love season three, but, and it's, I mean, there's so many reasons. First of all, they're doing that show in the last season thing where it's like a greatest hits where they're bringing back a lot of their recurring right. characters and bringing up a lot of past plot lines back into focus, at least for an episode. So they're doing that, but they're seamlessly blending that stuff into a new storyline that involves sam shepherd is playing this season's big bad and they brought you mean uh, sam elliott oh shit what did i say you said sam shepherd god damn it i'm editing that out damn it <laughs> he, no no no. you gotta keep it in you gotta keep it look he doesn't have his mustache sam, it's okay uh, right it's the <laughs> sam elliott without his mustache confuses me and i think it's sam shepherd um yeah so they brought in sam elliott to play the villain and they brought in uh garrett dylan hunt whose name i will not mess up because he's one of my absolutely favorite actors you just called him dylan hunt what did i say i said dylan hunt you said dylan hunt it's garrett dylan hunt yeah but you added an n in there oh my god i heard it i heard it bob don't lie i'm i i you know i have to have my earphones on while i cast so it's harder to hear myself anyway dylan hunt the point is that we still have jeff fahey yeah so we've had elliott Dillahunt, Fahey's coming, lots of past returning characters, and it, oh, it's been so amazing. And I just hope they could keep it up. My only thing, I mentioned this to you online today. You were talking about how how tight the show is wound and how, how all these parts of the plot are smashing into each other. And it's like, how can they do another eight or nine episodes or whatever is left? Things seem to be coming to a head right now. God, I that's one of the reasons why – I mean this is, this is the benefit of, of it being – the final season is that they right. can just, I mean, they can basically it's, do whatever they want. Right. It's, I mean, everyone always knew that it was going to come down to a Raylan Boyd showdown between Oliphant and Walt Goggins. And so now right. we're finally getting down to that, that we've waited for, for five years. And, uh, uh it's the best Ava's ever been ever. Like she had a terrible storyline last year where they put Ava in jail and it was awful. And it's like, I, but now I'm like, if you had to do that to get to this, I'm okay with that. Right. Well, like I just God, I I feel I felt so bad for for Joel Carter last season because right. I mean she was just she was literally tossed away and given nothing to do. Uh, but man, are they apologizing for that? When she broke down at the end of the it's the last episode that aired as we record this. Hopefully, I get right. this up before Tuesday. When she broke down at the end of the episode, I I wanted to shower her with Emmys, and I've never thought that about her before. Right on that show. Well, I mean, like, they've, holy they've shit, never... she's so she's so good all of a sudden. Well, they've never made her so important. I mean, that's part of the you know that's part of the thing is that Ava is so vital to everything that's happening. You know, and it's nice to have that kind of a focus uh, for her character for once. Right. 
we had Jake Busey last week who died spectacularly. Oh man, <laughs> like ten I minutes laughed after so he was introduced. That. that was such like an Elmer Leonard justified type of beat oh, too. That at, I, yeah. It, it wasn't even that surprising, but just the look on Win Duffy's face. Right. <laughs> when uh, we're spoiling the shit out of this, but yeah, Jake Busey shows up and then is blown this just turned into paste within ten minutes, and it's amazing. <laughs> It's. I just hope the show can keep it up all year. You know what? I mean, I. And now it's one of those things where, like, I'm really gonna miss it now. Like when it ends, it's like, oh fuck, why don't we have more justified? But it, 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 it the reason, part of the reason it's this good is because they could, they could. Because they're ending right, it, they know they can end it, end so it. they can just streak to the finish and do everything they ever wanted to do and not worry about who they kill off and. Right. So great. I will say the the one like I get why they're doing it. Um, but I, you know, and I never really thought I'd say this, but I, I miss having art around. Like, I'm glad, I'm kind of glad that he's not around because it gives, uh, you know, it gives Rachel way more to do. And, you know, more Erica Tazel is something that yeah. the show certainly always needed. Uh, but yeah, like, I mean, I don't know. I just kind of like miss having that particular, uh, foil for Raylan. You know, is it wrong that I'm kind of okay with it because... Supposedly. No, that's not wrong. No, but it, the reason why I'm okay with it is because oh, the because actor, Nick Cersei is an asshole, right? Because the actor who plays Art Nick Cersei is a colossal asshole in real life. Oh man! So it's kind of like, well, no, I'm, I'm totally <laughs> with you on that because I, I mean, oh my god! And I don't want to get into that too much, but all you have to do is go to his Twitter account or do some research, and yeah. It gets it gets ugly fast. It's stunning how horrible he can be in real life. Think uh think Adam Baldwin and you're on the right track. I guess. Well, there, he's 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 butt buddies with Baldwin. yeah. So uh so for that reason alone, even though I kind of miss Art too because Art's right. a great character. Yeah, as long no. as I get my Tim, as long as I get right. my Tim. Well, and Tim and, Tim has had a couple of the best moments of the season between him and Choo Choo, who I might add is also the best one of the best things about this season right because well you can always break down your justified villains there's always the big bad right which is sam elliott this year and then there are always like the second in commands or his immediate underlings which is right. dillahunt this year and then you always have your goons and justified your- justified has great goons like i'm i'm and, okay with the fact that we lost dewey in the first episode right because we got Choo Choo. Choo Choo right? is Having one of Dewey, the best goons oh Justified has ever had. He's so which which means that he's one of the best just TV goons. Cause, right, right, right. But oh man, like yeah, I I I will take that trade because Choo Choo is just a revelation. I, see, my problem is now is I want all these guys to make it to the end. Like I want Choo Choo <laughs> to make it to the end. I want Dillahunt to make it to the end. I want. Oh, Mary, if, if, Mary, I want Mary Steenburgen, who's playing a villainess, who's wonderful, to make it to the end. She's scary. And, oh, oh my god, she is so scary. Oh, yeah. Which I never thought I would say about Mary Steenburgen. I mean, just like, I mean, her and Sam Elliott are just—I mean, they just chill the bone watching them on the oh, show. Oh man, Any, just, anytime Sam Elliott like tilts his head, like cocks his head and tilts his chin, and then gives you that like. That grin with the arched eyebrow and it's oh god. I mean, again, oh, the, man. the best villains since yeah. Mags and you know the Bennets in season two. Oh, so, speaking speaking of which, love the callback to that. Uh, I was oh man, I, I all the season two stuff, the apple pie, right, and, right, right. And Loretta came back. And, 
we we are really getting our justified geek on right now. So hopefully, it's true. hopefully everyone who's still listening watches that show and is a fan, and you're gonna be bored it, out of your mind. But if you don't watch, why aren't you? Start. We just spoiled a bunch of shit for you, but you're still gonna love it. <laughs> um, no, it, it's okay. If anybody, if anyone in this season is doomed to die, it's Choo Choo. It's just it's oh, Choo Choo's gonna go, and Dillahunt's gonna go. I hope I hope Dillahunt and Oliphant get one, and and. See, these two guys are from Deadwood. Did you watch Deadwoods too? I never got a. I See, never Dead, got a chance to watch Deadwood. Deadwood is one of like my uh, ten favorite TV shows of all time. It might even crack the top five. And and is it part of the HBO stuff that's on Amazon Prime now? I don't know. I mean, because if it is, it's HBO, I need to, I need to but I don't know that. if it's on Prime. Um, Ollie Fawn, of course, was the star of Deadwood, and, right. and um, Dillahunt actually played two roles on that show that huh. if you didn't know it was him, you you would never know. I mean, he looks completely different. Well, I mean, was, that's just that's yeah. just Dillahunt. He was you. in season one and he was season three. So just to have those two back together, bouncing off each other on Justified, and uh, I just I, I want like f- at least five more great scenes of them together before Dillahunt has to get what's coming to him. Uh. Um, all right, so let's let's make some predictions. Like what? All right, who who is left standing when the smoke clears? Um, Raylan and, and the credits roll. Okay. Who who is left? Um, Raylan lives because I don't think it's enough of a downer of a show. You don't, you don't to, think it's gonna get? That I dark? mean, this isn't like a Breaking Bad or Sopranos or something where you could reasonably believe Raylan's not an anti-hero. He's a hero. He right. has some dark sides and an itchy trigger finger but he's not an anti-hero he's a hero so that the, Raylan lives for sure well and, and, um, and the point of the character also isn't like misfortune or bad you know you know bad luck or, or bad things happening to him kind of like you know in the way that like uh Christian Bale's right. character in 310 to Yuma all right you know or, um, or so many of the other like you know down on their luck sort of characters that that Elmore Leonard has has cooked up before. He's you know he's a cowboy. He's he's the he's the white hat guy. Yeah, he's he's gonna live. Um, I also think they want to keep the door open a little bit for a justified movie in case the fancy ever strikes them, and that might be a reason. Um, I, I've seen right. all I, they they haven't really said anything. I have seen Oliphant make the six seasons in a movie joke, but <laughs> there's, there's I've never heard anything serious about that. But I think maybe in the back of their mind, um, I think Ava lives. For sure. I mean, she's pretty much been the, especially since Natalie Zay left, she's been the dominant female presence on the show. And they've put her through the ringer. And I just can't imagine them getting to the end with her not breathing. I bet. I think it's more exciting and a better story if she can sort of weave her way through and out of this mess she gets herself into. If she can kind of redeem herself. Right. She was, she she just kind of innocently got herself into some of this stuff to even to begin with. Yeah. You know? Um, one Boyd's going to die. And, yeah. I, and I think one, one of Raylan's buddies is going to bite it close to the Tim, end. Either Tim's Tim, dead. Tim or Rachel, Tim or Rachel or art, probably Tim, Rachel, Rachel lives. Cause I mean, somebody's art, art's not coming back. Art might die, but Rachel, you know, Rachel survives to to take over the the Marshall outpost. Art no. might just die of a heart attack like two episodes from now. Or right. Something. Like we don't. I don't um, think he'll. But like, but like, Tim, could, is, could, Tim is going to be murdered, and that's yeah. Or, and Raylan's going to go nuclear because. Well, I, I'm here. I my prediction is that Dillahunt's character kills Tim. That's that's kind of I right. I would. 
I would not be surprised at all to see that be like that's that's the that's the match that lights the yeah the wick to the powder keg I at the very end. I could see it. That's probably what's going to happen. Uh, Win Duffy is alive. I agree. At the end of this, Win Duffy is like Win Duffy's cockroach. He's the he, cockroach of Harlan County. That no matter yep. what goes on around him, no matter how many you know, <laughs> Harlan Harlan will be in rubble at the end of the season. But, but Win Duffy, he stands. will still be in his RV. I absolutely at the, agree. At the end. I mean, I could seriously see the end of the show where you know Boyd's dead. Sam Elliott's dead. The bad guys are defeated. Raylan has gone to Florida to be with his family. And yes, the, literally one of the last shots is Win Duffy in the RV or in his office with his Tanny feet up, head. you know, concocting some new scheme or realizing right. he's on top right now. That's literally the end of the show. I can totally yep. see that. He's the yep. cockroach of Harlan County. I mean, how yep. can it be? How can it be any other way? No, absolutely. Um. So yeah, that's where I'm at. Anything else? Any other predictions? Uh, I think we covered most of it. Yeah, that's pretty much it. So then the other show I'm really excited about now is Better Call Saul, which we're two episodes in. Now, you don't you haven't watched that. No, I haven't seen it yet. And you I'm, weren't a Breaking I'm, Bad guy either, right? Well, you never finished I, it? or I never fi- Okay, I liked Breaking which Bad. Which is crazy, but uh, go on. <laughs> I, I liked Breaking Bad. I enjoyed it. But, like, part of it was I was so behind everyone that, like, I didn't feel like I could be objective in, you know, judging the show and enjoying the show because right. I was I was catching up with it, like, right as the show was ending. So everybody was just losing their mind about it. Right. You know, so I'm like, all right, you know what? I got to step back. I can't finish this right now because I feel like I'm just, you know, I'm either getting too swept up or I feel like I have to like parts of it or whatever. So I'm just not going to I'm not going to finish it. I mean, like, I know I know how it ends. All There's right. no way you could not know how it ends. Right. Uh, at, you know, and still pay attention to pop culture. Right. At the same time. But, you know, I, yeah, I, I mean, I still very much plan on, on going back and, and finishing it. But I, you know, I'm definitely curious to check this out. Like, I love Bob Odenkirk. Uh, I love him as Saul. I think it's, you know, I think this is about as smart of a spinoff idea as you could have. Uh, which I, which, I mean, I don't know. I don't think that that was like the, the common shared perception. I think everybody was like really kind of wary of, oh, you know, hinging well, the entire series on you know on this character i I wasn't i wasn't too worried about odin kirk or the character well first of all i i was a big i mean like everybody i was a massive breaking bad fan i would put it one of my again it's one of my top five shows of all time um they announced the spinoff i mean i wasn't sure it needed a spinoff i usually err on the side of you know better just leave this alone and perfect as it is there's no need to risk fucking this up but um I like Saul as a character, and I like Odenkirk, especially after seeing him in Fargo last year. Did you watch the Fargo TV series yet? No, I because really, Odenkirk really need to watch that. Odenkirk plays a supporting part in that completely different character from Saul, and he's fantastic in that. So it's I wasn't too worried about that. It was more just a matter of do we need to spin this off? And right. I guess I, that question still lingers two episodes in, but I, I'm also completely sold. Like the first episode's pretty, pretty good, pretty great, borderline yeah. great. Second episode's amazing. The second episode is just flat out one of the best things I've seen on TV this month. And I am just totally on board with Better Call Saul now. I will say, Stu, one of the things that interests me is because the show's going to, they've already renewed it for year two. So it's going to run at least two seasons. 
And one of the things that Vince Gilligan's been cagey about, and Peter Gold, mm-hmm. who's the other guy who writes the show with him, yeah. is whether it's a prequel or a sequel. Because when they first announced it, they really wouldn't say exactly what kind of follow-up it was. Then once they started making it, they were saying, well, it's a prequel, but still being vague about it, sort of. Right. And then when the series actually launched on Sunday, the first ten minutes of the show are an older Saul clearly taking place not too much time, but some time after the end of Breaking Bad. Yeah. And we see what's what the kind of miserable life Saul has after the ending of the events of Breaking Bad. And then it flashes back to pre-Breaking mm. Bad prequel territory. And that's what happens through the second episode's all prequel. It looks like the third's going to be all prequel. And the thing is, is I've seen people online saying – you know, I hope they stick to the prequel stuff. I don't, you know, I don't want to see too much of the sequel or I, I don't, I don't want them to get involved in what happens after Breaking Bad too much. And right. I don't agree with that. I think the most, it's risky. It's a, it's a tight wire act, but I think the ballsiest way to do this show is to jump back and forth in time and jump all over the timeline and make some of it a prequel right. and make some of it a sequel and mix up the chrono you know the chronology is, a lot and that to me would be fascinating and at least at the least a very ballsy way of doing a spinoff well it's like you know tell tell individual stories i mean like let him take on individual cases and let that be little mini arcs don't worry about having you know this sort of long game or even whatever. if you jump back and forth a little bit like i mean right. you can't get too confusing i mean we can't alienate viewers here but it's just it excites me to think that some of this could be a sequel and some of it could be a prequel and occasionally they may throw something from a time period that we're not quite sure when it is maybe it's current with Maybe it fits inside Breaking Bad somehow, you know, at the same time as some of Breaking Bad. Or that right. would that would excite me for them to play with the timeline as much as possible without making things confusing. Yeah. To me, I think that's interesting. Um, so I hope they do more of it, but we'll see. And the the other thing is, I don't want them going back to the Breaking Bad well too much. Like, there's a popular Breaking Bad villain who shows up at the end of the first episode and plays a big part in the second episode. And I was fine with it, and I know there's going to be more of that, and I'm fine with it. I just don't want them to overdo it. I don't want the whole show to become, remember this guy? Oh, you know, little winks and teases of right. things that we know are going to happen in Breaking Bad in the future. I, I just don't want them to rely on that too much. And by the end of the second episode, it's clear, because if you watch any of Breaking Bad, you know that Saul is this just greasy oily lawyer he's a yeah he's a total weasel represents all the drug you know runners people of albuquerque and is just you know just a just an awful awful human being and but it's beginning a better call saul he's it, there's glimpses of that but he basically wants to be a good lawyer and make a name for himself and do some good in the world so it's going to have a similar breaking bad story arc where it's the fall of this guy very right. much is where you know breaking bad was about the evolution of Walter White or the fall of Walter White, if you want to call it a fall. And it's so it's going to have a sort of similar trajectory. And but I think that's fine. I, I think it's using that character for that trajectory, I think, would be interesting as hell. So I'm on board. I don't know how much I think you'd have to watch Breaking Bad first, too. I, I don't know. I don't know how many people would even be attempting to watch this without seeing Breaking Bad. But my gut is they would lose I mean, it's a it's a well-made show, and that's going to come across no matter what. Right. In a well-acted well show with interesting characters. But, like, at the end of episode one, when the when the 
you know, the sting, not stinger, but when the, when the punchline at the end of episode one, when the last scene specifically attempts to elicit an emotion based on a character you recognize showing up in a doorway, if you've never seen Breaking Bad, you're not going to get that. Right. And that's pretty much the emotional hook at the end of the first episode. So, but yeah, so far my expectations have been vastly exceeded and it's based on two episodes. So who knows? Could turn to shit fast too, <laughs> but we'll see. All right, Stuart. I think that's all we have to talk about tonight. I think we, uh, I think we did good. Uh, thank you for joining me. Thanks to everyone at home for listening. If you can, please follow <clears throat> Cult Spark on Twitter or, or like our Facebook page or check out our website. We will be back with a new episode before too long. Until then, take care. Bye.